Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, baby. The time of the season. It is. I'm, you know why, Jim? Because I'm excited to see you, man. I am excited to see you, even if it is virtually. But it hasn't died out yet. Oh, no. But, Jim, other people that would be happy, Scousers especially, Jim, they've had yes, Christmas has come early. They don't need to rob the bins. I'm joking. Just joking. <laughs> but Mohamed Salah has signed a new contract. Gary yeah. Neville said he's looking for a ride, apparently. Ooh. I'm not sure I agree with Gary there, but I mean, him and Carol like to be with children on the internet nowadays, which is a little bit enjoyable. That like um, you know, gets in stuff. <laughs> they're kind of like, they're just slightly less annoying than when um, Lineker and Piers Morgan used to tweet each other all the time. That was fucking strange. Anyway, Salah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he signed a new three-year extension from now and in 2025, um, 350 grand a week, making the highest paid Liverpool player in the club's history. Um, he'll be 33 when the contract is up. Uh, it's obviously an ongoing thing, but as we've been talking about the last six months, I think we've known this deal has been coming up, whether he's going to leave or whether he's going to sign a new contract. And with Mane gone, Liverpool um, have either backed down and give Salah what he wanted or Salah has left it to a stage so late um, in this window maybe that he thinks I might have signed one here. But I think for Liverpool, I think it's um, really important for him and I think it's a great signing almost, if you want to call it that, because he's 33 when he ends, so he's still in his prime for me at 30. Yeah, he had a really rough few months back in the last season, but we've seen what he can still do the, the start of that season. Um, so if he can get a firing again I guess the worry is that now the other players in the Liverpool squad the Van Dijk's and the Fabinho's and the Allisons, if Salah starts deteriorating at his age then they might start nicking into Klopp's office asking for a bigger contract and we've seen how that has happened at United over recent years they've got stung by handing players big contracts and having to pay other players a kind of similar amount he kind of messed up the structure um, but yeah I'm sure it'll it'll work out for Liverpool and I think it's I think it's mostly a good thing there's just a slight worry about what it, the impact he might have on no a player's contracts for me yeah Stan I mean it's a it's a three year deal not a five year deal he's 30 at the moment that's probably the smart thing from Liverpool and Scousers will tell you they've got the best keeper in the world the best centre back in the world the best full back in the world best centre mid in the world etc etc if this is true, you're gonna to have to pay him. And and it's and it's that simple. If you have got all these excellent players, you have to pay them. And I said it when Van Dyke went down with his knee injury on the pod. At the end of the season, obviously Salah dragged Liverpool basically on his own to the top four that year. And I said, if it was the other way around and Salah went down with the injury and not Van Dyke, I don't think Liverpool have got there. And I think Salah's proved he's obviously one of the best players in the world over the past few years. And you've got to pay him as such. It's that simple, Stan. Do you agree? Um, yeah, in, in a basic sense, but um, I, I, I'll be honest. I didn't. Uh, I didn't expect Liverpool to, to give him a new contract just because, just because of how Klopp's the, the, the transfer strategy's been. Really, they've tended to get rid of rid of players. I didn't think they'd give 
350 grand a week to a 30 year old just doesn't really seem very clop to me very Liverpool but I suppose you could argue if they were to give that to anybody it would be Salah after the few years he's had but um, I don't think he was very good for the last six months so I think it's a risk a small risk that does he even get back to the levels he was at before that six months because if he's at that level like he has been in the last six months if that wasn't just bad form if that was a sudden decline then they've got a, a guy who's on 350 quid for three years who will obviously be effective but not nowhere near the same level as he has been and, and like Jim's already mentioned I think the next club highest earner at Liverpool is Virgil van Dijk on 225 grand a week so it's 125 grand between Liverpool's highest earner and the second highest earner which is big and again Jim already said that's caused issues at other clubs and, and United when we signed Alexis Sanchez although I'm not going to compare Sanchez and Salah because you know different ball games but I did I did more expect Liverpool to you know, keep their own, hold their own, and, and Klopp, you know, with his with his transfer history, maybe let Salah go uh, and replace him with with somebody that you know is maybe 24, 25, 26, and that Klopp could think would fit his system and he could improve 15, 20%. I mean, I, I did throw the name Jared Bowen in, who I think, you know, for me would be a, a typical Liverpool Klopp signing. It's not a star name, but it's a player that you could definitely see fitting into that Liverpool side and a player that you could see fitting in in that right forward uh, position and maybe Klopp improving him 10, 15%. I think he got 15 goals, 15 assists or, you know, there or thereabouts, that, those kind of figures last year in the league. And, you know, if he adds another five of them on, on top, then Liverpool have got one of the best players in the league. And I think Klopp would back himself to do that. So it, it is a risk. And to be honest, I, I don't think... Liverpool would have tied him down to a contract had Sadio Mane not already gone. I think if Mane had two or three years left, he probably would have let Salah go this summer. But despite signing Nunes again, who's a change of strategy, dropping 100 million on a guy who's relatively unproven, they've gone and given another guy 350 grand a week. But I think had, like I say, Mane not had gone, I think they probably would have let Salah go as well. But to lose both of them in the same summer could potentially be massive for them. So I, I do think that's why they've done it. And, and yeah, it, it, it's a risk. And like I say, I'm more surprised than anything. I did think that it was probably 70-30 that they would let him go when you look at it in isolation. But like I say, the bigger picture, uh, Mane leaving as well. I, I can't see two of two of three of the front three for the last four or five years going in the same summer. Maybe we're seeing a kind of like, a change in our Liverpool's run over the past few years because maybe we're still thinking of him as um, the team that's just really good under Klopp and you kind of fear from after Klopp does leave because he's not going to be there forever and he could easily go back to scrapping for top four places um, like they were before Klopp came. So maybe like the Nunes signing was big money. We've made big money signings in positions where you've not necessarily needed to strengthen they're not selling players first before buying players at the minute. Like it's, it's slowly starting to change. Like they'll drop a, a fifty million on like Naby Keita in midfield when he might not necessarily be the best midfielder. Um, they'll add like a Thiago in and again some of the best young players in Europe and like Canate and now Nunes and they're not afraid to splash the sixty odd million on a player like that nowadays. He might not necessarily be in their best run three. And I guess it was just a matter of time if they want to maintain this level of being one of the elite sides in Europe that they have to start paying people 
upwards of 350 grand a week because there's only so long um, they can keep finding GMs for cheaper than what other teams can. If other teams are just going to keep out paying you, it will catch up with Liverpool eventually. So maybe they yeah. will start paying. Like, is, is it really a bad thing if Van Dijk's on 300 grand a week because he's the best defender in the world? So I feel like if Van Dijk was playing for a, a City or a Chelsea or a United, he would be on that kind of money. Um, so maybe it's just a thing that Liverpool have to accept now and he went into fun, but yeah, definitely. But from one player who's staying in the northwest to a player that looks like he's leaving the northwest for the southwest stand of London, Sterling Raheem Sterling has agreed personal terms with Chelsea, forty-five million plus add-ons. It's only just broke, so we'll just give everyone a little bit of an update on that. Obviously, we did spoke about Sterling in previous episodes, but again, for that money, can't really complain, can you? No, no, you can't. Like, like, like you say, we've spoken about him before. It's, it's a no-brainer for me for Chelsea to to sign Sterling. Um, pretty much guaranteed goals at this stage. I know um, City create a hell of a lot more chances than Chelsea do, but even then, I don't expect him to struggle too much uh, in the goals department. And yeah, he's agreed personal terms. He seems seems uh, like he's not accepted, but he knows that now he's going to be going to Chelsea. Um, and yeah, it's up to the two clubs to agree a fee. They've already sold Gabriel Jesus City, and, and as Romano said, they want hundred million uh, between them, and it you know it looks like they're going to get it. So uh, yeah, forty five million for for Sterling for me is is a very good signing. I think um, you know I would love United to to get him, but there's there's no chance that's going to happen from City. But say if if Sterling was at Chelsea right now and he had a year left, and Chelsea were open to the forty five million, it's definitely a a signing I'd want United to do. So yeah, very envious of that one. Yeah, and Jim, uh, should we say a, a letter to Raheem from you? Um, I was like, you can't put me on the spot and ask me to to do an old to Sterling now, but no, just just no, say maybe, how you maybe feel. Maybe will do for the maybe will do for the podcast. Um, so yes. I can't when it gets announced. Um, yeah. No, yeah. Uh, Virgin on gutted to do. I mean, sit you in a position where they can lose a player now. You're not going to be gutted because they're still going to be good. Um, but it will be weird watching him play. But it weird watching him play against it, but definitely, which is. And I know he's going to score against us. You know he's not going to miss the sitters he's missed our city, which is going to be a funny thing. But yeah, I feel like I'm going to be spending a, a decent amount of time in the next few days slash weeks sticking up for him as a be of a more bitter City fan. Unlike me, are going to be saying he's, he's crap anyway. When No, he's one of my favourite players of the past 10 years, maybe even longer, just because of the amount of stuff that he, he went through off the pitch. Um, he had a lot of struggles when he first came to see form-wise and mentally-wise. He had a lot of stick in the press. It was version on bullying at times, but I feel like people around City have got right behind him and he, he's, he's paid us back. And yeah, a world-class player on his day. Um, and he's still a world-class player for me. And hopefully this means he can... He, the um, I can't think of the word for it, but... The good thing about this, um, if he can play more for Chelsea, um, then he can get it. He can keep his England place, and we can watch him more for England from a personal point of view. Because maybe that's why he's left with the World Cup coming up and him losing minutes at sea. He feels like he has to go elsewhere to prove that he's still a, that kind of player to Southgate.
So welcome back at a club that we've spoken about over the last one or two weeks for outgoings in terms of Rafinha and Calvin Phillips. Uh, it's time to speak to them about incomings. Uh, we're going to come to you for um, Tyler Adams and I forget the name of the other guy. Uh, Louis Sinistera. Louis Sinistera, there we go. So Feyenoord and is that Leipzig? Yeah. Um, so we'll come to you, Cook. Uh, wh- what do you think about these two? Are the um, are the direct replacements for Phillips and, and Rafinha, and how do you think they'll do in the Premier League? They, positionally, they are. I mean, it's big boots to fill for both of those positions. So, so yeah. So I, th- I think these players are being bought for those outgoings. Leeds have accepted a bid from Chelsea. Rafinha is obviously twerking for Bar. So as we said on the pod. But Adams, I really like. He's, he's only 23. He's a Champions League level player. He's been he scored in the Champions League semi final. Uh, sorry, quarter final to uh, to put Leipzig in a semi final against Atletico Madrid. He's a really good player, high energy player. Can sit in front of the back four. Can play as a box to box eight. He's just good, classy player. But Jesse Marsh loves him. He brought him through the academy at Red Bulls. Bought him for Leipzig, and now he's bought him again for Leeds. So he's a huge fan of the player. And like I said, he's played in the Champions League. He's got 30 caps for America. He's only 23. But he's played in quite a lot of high-profile games. He won the, the German Cup with Leipzig this year. And I just think it's a, a good, solid signing, especially for the money. Because I'm telling you now, he's not staying at Leeds for the long haul. He'll be using them as a stepping stone club 100%. 100%. Because he's that good. His ceiling's that high. And it's only 18 to 20 million with add-ons. Seems to me that Marsh is getting some of the players he wants, which is can only be a positive thing when um, a chairman gives the manager kind of what he wants and the players that he you've managed before and he likes. Um, yeah. Shows that he's back in the manager, so that's that's a positive for Leeds. What what type of midfielder then is he? Is he that Calvin Phillips? Do you think he'll slot into that um, orchestrator, or is, or is he a bit? Is he different? Well, that's what's good about him because. Like I said, he can he can sit if you want him to in like a four two three one. He can sit on his own in as what Tuchel would say is a single six. <laughs> um, but he's good. He's versatile, and I think that's why Marsh likes him so much because he's good on the ball. Like I said, he's high energy, and his quality is undoubted. And like I said, I do think he will be using Leeds as a stepping stone club. But moving on to Luis Sinistera, who like Stan said is probably Rafinha's replacement, but he's a guy that predominantly plays on the left for Feyenoord. Very fast, very tricky. Loves cutting in on his right foot. Got a decent enough left foot, but this will be a huge step up for him now. He's 23, exactly the same age. Yeah, exactly the same age as Tyler Adams, both 23. Uh, but yeah, this will be a huge step up, whereas Adams has played in the Champions League. I think the highest level that Sinister has played at is the UEFA Conference League and obviously so the Eredivisie. So if if the season started tomorrow, or, or should I I'll, I'll more say if the transfer window shut tomorrow, do you think them two signings plus let's say Rafinha goes along with Calvin Phillips, do you think they're enough for Leeds to stay up? No, I don't think I don't think that's enough. To be to be honest with you, they barely had Phillips last season, so I'm almost like factoring in Marsh's reign as he's barely he's not even had Phillips and he's done all right without him. So now he's actually bought a direct replacement for Buttons in comparison. He's probably, like I said, going to be using him as a stepping stone club. But it, it's smart. I don't think he's, like I said, it's big boots to fill, but they need more. They still need a striker, in my opinion. They wasted £30 million on uh, Rodrigo when they first came up. Bamford's injury-prone. 
and they just need a reliable nine, really. And they'll get 60 million for Rafinha. They got 43 for Phillips. So there's 100, best part of 100 million for both of them. And they're investing 20 million on Adams and I think roughly about the same for Sinistera. So they've still got money in the bank. Should go and get should go and get somebody like Andrea Belotti for free, bring him to the Premier League. And sorry, and sorry, they signed Mark Rocker from Bayern, who's another oh, good yeah, sentiment. we spoke about that. We, yeah. we did that. Well, that's definitely more of a Calvin Phillips replacement for yeah. what I know about him. But yeah, yeah, Leeds could definitely do with a striker. The um Leaked a lot of goals defensively, should I say, uh, very nicely. Um, but, you know, we saw the season before, at least when they did have Bamford, that they could score goals too. A lot of the games were very high scoring. Uh, but last year, they, they lost it and obviously just about just about kept themselves safe. So not enough for Leeds so far. Um, but another striker who's, who's maybe, well, not up for joining Leeds anymore, because he's, he's signed another contract at... His beloved, should we say, AC Milan. He's been there twice now, uh, one of many clubs, uh, but he'll be entering uh, his 41st year, is it? 42nd year next season as a footballer and he'll still be playing in Italy's top flight. Yeah, class. I love Zlat. I've, I've read his autobiography. I've actually pre-ordered his audio book that's out at the end of the month. Is, Very... he, is, he, is he narrating it? Unfortunately not, although that would be oh. class. I, I am actually... <laughs> Completely off topic, but I'm going to tell Jim anyway. I am actually listening to Dean Ambrose's Audible audiobook at the moment, Mox. It's class. But yeah, <laughs> but, but no, Ibra, 41, back at Milan at the top level after chilling in Hollywood for two and a half years, if that. Everyone thought he was done. He bet, I think he trained less than 10 times with the first team last year because of how bad his knee injury was. He was getting it drained twice a week because of all the fluid that was building up in it. And he's a warrior. I, like I said, I love Zlat. And he's... He, you can't knock anyone, in my opinion, who says, I'm better than you and here's why. And he just does it. And, and, and I know he, he, people hate him to a point, but I love him. And Jim, I know, obviously, the Serie A is what it is, but 41. Yeah, like, he's not going to be in there playing every week and be one of Milan's most important players, but... Like you say, he made an impact last season and he barely trained. I mean, I've seen the videos of him get his knee drained and it was like, he was hanging. <laughs> it was the amount of fluid he was getting out of that. But it's a young team and they've got a lot of... Um, a lot, well, they've won the league now, but before that, there's a lot of players who hadn't won any titles before and Zlatan's won a lot of stuff in his career and I imagine he does a lot in the dressing room and if he's motivated, then it's a great player to keep around the club. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I, I don't know. He didn't play a lot last year, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was almost like a coach, really, um, off the pitch, like you say, with quite a young side. And he's the guy who's been there and won everything by the Champions League. Anyway, every, every you know, he's won something for every team he's played for. Um, so even if he sticks around and like he's, he's that coach yeah. and that role model off the pitch, I think it's a good idea for Milan to keep him around. Especially like Jim says, if he wants to be there, then uh, there's not many better people to have in terms of what he's achieved in football across the last. 20, 25 years, which is ridiculous to say. Entering probably his 25th, 24th, 25th year of professional football. So uh, he has a hell of a lot of experience there in that old Swedish head of his. The winning mentality is not a thing you can necessarily train, but if you stick around it for too, for, for long enough, you'll, um, you'll eventually start to think like Slan and he's maybe the most confident football player of our generation, <laughs> the way he backed himself. Well, anyone that talks about themselves in the third person 
is definitely confident about themselves. But we, we just say then that obviously we don't feel like he's featured a lot this year. It's mad since he's returned to Milan last year was actually the most games he's played for the Rossoneri since he come back. So in his first year, he played 18 times in the league, scored 10. Second year, played 19 and scored 15. And then this year, he's played 23 and scored eight. But again, he's 41. So he's been knocking about back at AC since he was 38. And he's like you just said, Jimmy, he does still contribute numbers and, like you said, you can't teach certain things that Zlat brings to a team. And that mentality, lion mentality, as Zlat would say, is uh, yeah. is definitely great, what they need. A great player for like, like Rafa Liao to learn off as well. He did so well last season. One of Serie's best attackers. Um, 100%. So that's great. I mean, you've got Liao learning after Zlat and you've got Itamoris, etc. learning from him. Um, I imagine Maldini isn't keeping quiet sometimes in training sessions. He yeah. sticks around. So yeah, yeah. Some really um, serial winners that are um, kind of coaching and running Milan at the minute, and that's maybe why they've kind of revived themselves from hits of De Jong and Jeremy Menes and Balotelli to um, Alex, yeah, to what they are now and and Albrabino. Oh God! But to be fair, to be fair, another player, a former teammate as lats actually, Jim Angel Di Maria has joined Serie A. He's just signed for Juventus on a one-year deal. I think that's pretty smart business by Juve. It's a very Juve signing, free transfer, very short term. He's 34 now, Jim, but again, another winner. Yeah, and he seems to always be a threat when he plays and you're, you see him in Champions League games and stuff. And I mean, they're going to lose to So I mean, he kind of comes in and gives them another body. They've, they've got Pogba in now. Um, they're having a, a United-like transfer window getting... Pogba and Di Maria in, so maybe they can also flop like United when Dante came in. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't expect to see many big things from Juve. Um, I think they've got a lot to build on. Um, but yeah, let's see with that one. That's kind of a it's a, it's a good landing spot for Di Maria as well because he stays competitive. It is, but sticking in South America, well, with South Americans, Jim, we'd be. We'd be twatted by the Toffees if we didn't speak about this. Well, actually, we'd be twatted by Kyle, not the Toffees. They're actually quite sad <laughs> to see him go. But Richarlison's joined Spurs, Jim. Yeah. I think that's a good signing. Very versatile player. And I feel like it's not necessarily a signing that Spurs had to make, but they've done it anyway. And fair play to him. Yeah, a very good signing. Um, Premier League proven. One of them players that you hate to... You hate if you if you're playing against you, but if he's on your team, you love um, a player who's he gets right involved in the fans kind of culture. He, he loved an Anfield game. You can imagine him in the North London derby. I mean, he's a banker for score. Let's let's put that right right there. Um, I imagine him, him under Conte is going to be a good mix because of how Conte is and how Richarlison is. The Diane and, Costa. Yeah. Kind of like what I was saying about Liverpool before, kind of strengthening areas before selling players. That's kind of what Spurs have been doing this window, which is why people are speaking to Ali of them. Um, they would usually sell a big player. They'd sell an Alderweire and have to bring in a, a Sanchez or a Romero. They'd sell um, a midfielder and bring a new one in, for example, like the Ericsson would go and they have to bring in Benton Coors or whatever. But now they've kind of got a really good front three anyway in Kane and so on and they just add Richarlison to it so with five subs that'll help massively as well next season um, Perisic is, is a great addition because Conte knows him so well 
Jed Spence is close to signing for the club, um, which is a position they need to improve on. And I think maybe what the fee they're going to get him for. I just feel like they're strengthening all the right areas. They've already got a really, he worked out a really good midfield too last season, I thought, with Heiberg and Bentoncourt. And then they had the seamer to it. So the strengthening depth of the first now means there's no reason why they can't be competing for trophies next season. So Jim mentioned Christian Eriksen then, Stan. Obviously, he's just agreed to sign for Man United. I think it was on a three-year deal. You happy with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, for free. I mean, we saw how, how well he did after, obviously, his, his health issues, should we say. I think he played 11 times for Brentford and, and he won seven of those games that he, he started in in the second half of the season. So, had United had Ericsson in the second half of last season and he did that, we probably would have uh, got top four. But instead... Um, I think the players forgot that there's 38 games in the season. But no, it's great signing, great signing. Might might not start for us, depending on whether we can get, obviously, other midfield targets like Frankie De Jong over the line. If Barca can uh, get on the phone to their accountant and sort out their issues, that would be great. Um, but yeah, a guy that's obviously came through at Ajax when he was younger. Um, so he, he knows the similar style of play that Ten Hag will want to play, the same school of thought anyway. And, and he trained at Ajax uh, before he got his move to Brentford. Uh, Eric Ten Hag allowed him to train there to get his his fitness up to, to the desired level. So I'm sure that, that meant a lot to him as well. And uh, it was only really ever between us or Brentford, which from a football perspective looked like a, a straightforward decision anyway, but we always knew there'd be a bit more to it. So I'm happy he's, he's decided to play for us, a guy that's you know, did really well at Spurs and, and until Jose decided he didn't fancy him. Went to Inter, struggled, but ended up getting into the team and, and he won the league there. And then, uh, yeah, did, did well at Brentford and was the main man that, that kept them up last season in the second half when there were worries after, you know, the 2025 match day point that they could be dragged into a race, but he, he pulled them out of it. So, yeah, really good mentality and the type of mentality and, and player that United need to be having in this, in this reset and, and rebuild going forward. Well, funny you should say mentality, Stan. Uh, we speak about players like Christian Eriksen operating at a really good level and playing for Brentford. A player that's just left United on a free transfer, Jesse Lingard, is actually on his way to the United States to take a meeting with a couple of MLS clubs regarding a transfer over there. So, like I said, we speak about mentality. Me and Jim was talking off mic before, saying that it looks like he's just given up if he goes to MLS at this point. Oh, yeah, definitely. Considering last year there were Premier League clubs like West Ham, like you say, that were willing to pay 15, 20 million pounds for him. There's a World Cup in four or five months that he, he seems to have written off, despite Southgate, him being one of Southgate's favourites anyway. Um, you know, could if he went somewhere, maybe in Newcastle for four or five months and did well. Would Southgate chuck him in into that World Cup squad? Obviously not as a starter, but maybe one of the latter numbers as a guy who can play pretty much anywhere in the forward line. I mean, you're probably right. I think he might have given up. He's um, he's left United and starting a TikTok, so I think that speaks speaks volumes uh, with regards to where his head's at, and uh, he probably is just enjoying going to America and living that LA lifestyle, and uh, yeah, meeting a few rappers and. Uh, Buying an automatic rifle or something like that, whatever they do over there. So good luck to him. It would not surprise me. Definitely wouldn't surprise me. I'd prefer him to run for president. If Kanye can do it, Lingard can do it. Yeah, Lingard for president. There we go. Warrington Warrington would vote for him anyway. Maybe maybe that could be the pod title. Lingard for president. Yeah, right. Oh well, well, it was Independence Day the other day. 
Yeah, it was. It was. So, in the Independence Day earlier for Jesse when he left United. So now he's a free agent and he's a uh, he's flown American Airlines or Airways, whatever it's called. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how he does. I'm sure we'll keep an eye on him and uh, he'll keep Gareth Bale company on some golf courses over there. Well. With offset leaving Migos, there is a spot there, Lingard. So maybe if you want to change it up. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure he can take Cardi B as well if he wanted to. So, Hello and welcome back to That's The Way The Cookie Crumbles. We're going to end this with a game like we have for the last few weeks. And again, that game is 11-able. And as you know by now, they are all related to something that we have spoken about in the podcast. So what I'm going to do is... We've spoken about Zlatan Ibrahimovic signing on again for AC Milan. But he signed on for them quite a while ago, about 12 years ago, actually. And he made his debut for them (laughs) in September of 2010, where they lost 2-0 away at uh, Cezana. Cezana featuring players such as uh, Shilotto, Giaccarini, Parolo, Nagatomo. So, you know, it was a decent Cezana side. They all went on to do other things, but... Of course, Latan's in there. I want you to tell me the AC Milan side, please. Cut, you can start first. I feel like I've started with Jim quite a lot the last few weeks. Okay. Oh, Thiago Silva. Yes, he was. He started, Thiago Silva. Then he signed in the same summer and left in the same summer, I believe. Just bros, man. Uh, Do we have a formation, Stan? It's a 4-3-3. Three, three. Very Italian twenty tens. Yeah, you can't get. I suppose maybe the the three five two is the only one that beats that for Italian in the in the twenty tens. Four three three. This is, is bordering on the banter years, isn't it? On the what years? The banter years of Milan. It's bordering on. Oh, it's, it's like, definitely it's somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they're bantering like a good maybe year a year later, two years later. They're they're about a club. Um, let's go with. Um, oh, I might say his name wrong, but the ball keeper, Abiati. Abiati was the keeper, yeah, he was. Cool, yeah, that's, that's, a class, that's a class ball. Art. I feel like he was a keeper for a while back then. I will say, I've got Ambrosini, man. Ambrosini did start in the middle of the pitch, one of the three in the middle. So you're doing well, 100% record, Jim, don't ruin it. Trying to picture them blonde locks. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, yeah, this is. That's the Milan team. Trying to think of players that he will have, but still had that like quite decent. Like joined the Champions League quite a few years before. It wouldn't have all worked. I'd say there's only there's only two of them left in this eleven. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I'm still going to go for Gattuso. Gattuso is one of the two. He started in the midfield. Ambrosini Gattuso. I'm going to go for Perlo. Perlo was the third man, and I'd say him and Gattuso are probably the only two left from that 2007 Champions League winning side. So we've got Jim? we've got the midfield now, have we? Yeah, midfield, yeah, midfield three. three. You've got you've got the keeper and one of the centre backs, and then obviously it's lots up front, and obviously oh. Ibrahim through the middle. Yeah, yeah. Both Let's of the fullbacks are Italian. Let's go with uh, Pato. Pato did start at right wing. 
Class, you fly, you fly, you know. I mean, you're getting all the ones I thought you'd get. There are some more difficult ones that you might need clues with. Yeah, I'm so, so you need uh, the fullbacks, a centre half, and a left winger. Rubinho. It's not Bra- Rubinho. Oh. You've hit the post. You've hit Shit. the post. It's not uh, Ronaldinho then. It is Ronaldinho. Still oh, there. <laughs> I would have gone with Fabinho. He was still there. He was still there. Well, that's why I went nationality because I did think that's a bit of a red herring there. But yeah, no, it was Ronaldinho. <laughs> that's sick. Right, the Greek lad. Uh, Pastapopoulos used to play for Arsenal. Yeah, Socrates at centre-half. Yeah. Was yeah. he Milan? Yeah, he man. was. He started Before there. Dortmund? He started there. Yeah, five minutes ago. I didn't know that. Right, two Italian yeah. full-backs. Right, that was like a man of, of, of many no. trades. I think he used to play centre-half as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I know it. It was the guy who scored in the game. Oh, I don't even think he played for Milan, but Grosso? No, no. Juve, Grosso. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think I was Juve, maybe Insta as well. Right, yeah, Stan, I don't, I don't the one I had in mind, Abate. No, he was a sub. No. He came in. He was class. That was the one because he played centre half as well. That's why I thought it was in. Fuck. Oh. No, I'll tell you both. Yeah, tell us the fullbacks. Okay, yeah, so right back was Bonera, who I think you should play centre back sometimes. Well. And left back was Antonini. I probably should have got that. Yeah, yeah I number any Antonini. And the three subs were Inzaghi, who was still playing, Rubino, he might have been. He wasn't. He wasn't one of the subs or anything. So I, I can't see the full team. But there Jeez. you go. That's it. What a classic. Two of my it's men on the bench. Team. Heavy. Jim wins this week. Congrats, Jim. Cheers, buddy. You've won Wimbledon this year. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, I, it was. It wasn't a few. It was only like a year and a half, maybe after that. I started watching the one. But yeah, they had a few different players, but when I watched him. Right, everyone, just as we're winding down, it is time to love you and leave you. But this also is the time where we can tell you to, where to find us when we're not around. So you can follow our Insta and Twitter using the handle at Cookie Podcast One. That's at Cookie Podcast, followed by the number one. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and now Google Podcasts. So just search in. That's the way the cookie crumbles. It's been episode 142, and that's the way the cookie crumbles. See it. Uh, just quickly before you go, guys, come on, you lionesses. 